This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Recode. And I'm Lauren Good, Senior Technology Editor at The Verge. And you're listening to Too Embarrassed to Ask, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is a show where we answer all of your embarrassing questions about consumer tech. It could be anything at all. We try to answer everything from which laptop you should buy to how Wi-Fi extenders work, mm-hmm. to how to tell if your data has been compromised it by has. the Equifax breach. And Kara has a spoiler alert for you. It has. It has. It has. Yes. Everybody. And if not, Yahoo got you. It doesn't really matter. So send us your questions. Find us on Twitter. Tweet them to us at at Recoder myself or to Lauren with the hashtag Too Embarrassed. We also have an email address. It's Too Embarrassed at Recode.net. And a reminder, there are two R's and two S's in Embarrassed. Yes. So we're down in Mountain View, California we at are. the Googleplex. At the Borg, as I like at to call it. At the Borg. We yeah. were here not too long ago. We talked to Google's Clay Bavor about the future of VR and AR. But there was a big Google hardware event this week. By the time you're listening to this, it might be last week. So today we're joined by Google Senior Vice President of Hardware, Rick Osterloh. Rick, welcome to Too Embarrassed to Ask. Thank you for having welcome. me. Welcome. Thanks so much for, for coming us. on the show. Yes, thanks for having us here. Um, so you had an event yesterday, and what's interesting about the event is it was a hardware event. It was called Even Made by Google. I saw it on the stairs on the way up, so you got a painter working late yes. last night. Uh, but the first few minutes, we're going to talk about AI and machine learning, which was definitely a theme woven throughout the event. We're going to talk about Google's approach to making hardware, which it's been doing fits and starts over the years, and you know your experience here, a little bit of your background, and through the re- lens of we do artificial intelligence better than anyone else, which is kind of a frightening model, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> we bring the Armageddon future to you faster. Anyway, um, so it would really be the Armageddon future, it would be the Terminator future faster. Ter- probably per- Terminator, yeah, probably perhaps. Ter- just, yeah, Something Humans, dire, you, dystopian. You will die, humans. <laughs> the Blade Runner future. <laughs> Blade Runner Future, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so you announced a lot of hardware products, phones, home speakers, earbuds, a little camera thing. Can you sort of stack rank them and what's important and what, <laughs> if you'd like, of your children? Oh, Which I your love, children do you I love dislike all the of most? my children. All right. So go through them very sure. briefly for so us. So we have, um, let's see, we had a pretty broad announcement yesterday that included two new products in the Google Home family. Uh, mini and a Max, small mm-hmm. and big. Yeah. Uh, we also introduced two new smartphones, the Pixel 2s, and we had uh, Google Clips and Google Pixel Buds, mm-hmm. uh, headphones and, and small camera. And then we also introduced the Pixelbook, which is a new premium Chrome. Wow. So why? Stack rank them. for What's the most important from your perspective? Yeah. I think a lot of people went in thinking it's a phone event because fall is time for phone events. But there's a lot of stuff. So what do you think is is, was the most, I don't know, interesting? I mean, if I were to stack rank them, I would say the AI is the most important part. All right. (laughs) No, that's not the answer you're looking for. (laughs) What I I mean to say is that Mm -hmm. last year when I started what we did, about 18 months ago, we... You came. Explain where you came from. Uh, I came from Motorola. Right. And so I was I was with Motorola when it was part of Google. Google hired me to join Motorola, actually. And then... then that the didn't work. company transitioned over to Lenovo, and I went with it. And then I left and came back. So you just go wherever they tell you. Pretty much. Okay. I right. just show so up. So here we are. Now you have 900 work. devices you've, you've, you've put in. So go <laughs> we, ahead. Yes. So the central concept we had was, when I started, was, all right, 
we can start working on things for next year right now. Let's let's work on that. Google's primary advantage and and the things that we felt had a lot of potential were around our machine learning and AI technology. And we felt like building products around that was going to be an interesting set of new experiences we could deliver to users. Mm -hmm. And so we, we really put a filter on does this product bring something new to an AI or machine learning experience? Mm -hmm. And if it does, then we wanted to proceed forward with it. And so you see, I think you really see that as a unifying thread across what we're doing. Like the Google Assistant runs on most of the products we introduced yesterday or, or provides access to it really easily. And they all have some component of machine learning. So tech. anything that can be AI'd will be AI'd. I think that's true at yeah. some level. I mean, like really what, like you see it come to life in things like the Google Photo Experience where mm -hmm. You know, AI is totally different than than the jokes we started out with around Terminator. It's really just able to do a particular task right now better than old systems in the past could. So, mm -hmm. like with Google Photos, it can organize them a little bit better, and you can search with them, and and you can enhance your photos through computational imaging. So that's where AI is helpful today. It's in mm -hmm. making user experiences just better than you could do them before. And so. are these things that you hear from your customers or from just consumers in general, like we want this or we're looking for this? Or is the kind of thing where Google says, you know, Apple, there's this famous saying that Apple used to say, like, you have to tell consumers what they want, right? That, like, they don't really know until you put it in front of them and say, here's the thing. Is that sort of the approach here? Like, you know, the technology exists here. And so you're putting it out there and then seeing what yeah. consumers adapt to? It's, pr I mean, consumers have problems that are usually pretty constant. And then it's the solutions to them that change. And usually those are driven by new technologies that it, it, it wouldn't be reasonable to expect a consumer to fully understand, like, how could AI make my photos experience better? Or how, or how could I be able to communicate with someone using Google Translate and a new headset? And like, how, they can't, they wouldn't naturally think of that gen mm -hmm. unless they're well, they don't want extraordinarily to know how talented. They want to know that it drives. Exactly. Right? And if you know anyone that does think that way, let me know, because I'd like to talk to them. <laughs> Retiring. <laughs> All right, so you, how big is the hardware? you got a lot of hardware products here. And as you know, in hardware, it's really hard to, to see what works and what does, yes. what falls yes. flat. And so it, it, this isn't like throwing out a million things and seeing what sticks. Is I mean, No, it's not. I mean, okay. these are all built with a purpose, and we and – we, we intend for them all to be successful. I mean, that is the aim. We Individually don't, or as a group? I mean, what is As a group. It's a hard to know exactly. In all, I mean, most of these things are in very new markets. It's hard to know exactly how much everyone's going to do. But we hope, we hope as a total that they move our user experience ahead. That's the number one goal. And we want them all to have high consumer satisfaction when they buy the products. And then we also clearly want to have them as a portfolio move ahead in volume too. Mm -hmm. So uh, Sundar Pichai, your CEO, uh, told my colleague Dieter Bowen in an interview that um, he sees that in five years, the hardware business will make enough money to be a significant part of financial calls, essentially, that, that you know, essentially making a long-term bet on, on hardware. That's our um, hope. So what does that mean exactly? What would be significant for you in terms of how big the hardware business gets? Because uh, Google's often like dabbled in to make a proof of point that it's software yeah. and services that are attached to it. I think what's different now is we want to we want to we want to create this into a credible business so that we can invest a lot in it. I mean, if if you're not if you're doing it for only for referential purposes, mm -hmm. then it's hard to make the really big long term investments that are required to make this. A, it's like a 
kind of chicken and egg self-fulfilling prophecy. If you create a large enough business, you can invest a lot in that business and it will grow and grow and you can get more and more cutting edge user experience. Which is the built. Apple experience. They have the whole soup to nuts kind of offering for users. Uh, I think they're, I mean, they're an amazingly strong company for sure. And they've done great work. I think we come at it from different angles. You mm-hmm. know, they're, uh, well, I, I won't comment too much on on their legacy, which is well known. Ours is one of a great software capability, amazing services offerings, and then now this cutting edge research in AI in a lot of different areas. And so that that is where we come from. So we're trying to build hardware that enhances those experiences, and I, and I think that's kind of I mean, so hopefully about, that was clear. Talk in about the those advantages over Apple, Amazon, Microsoft. You know, they've all Amazon surprisingly has done rather well in the hardware space, even though it had some rough going initially with its phone, and um, you know they did all right with the um, their reader and everything. But w- why should people get a Pixel instead? Of, like, what would convince me to switch from my iPhone or a Mini instead of an Echo or Chromebook? Uh, well, you know, I think one thing would be there's a really consistent user thread through those. So like the way we built them was we wanted to make sure that the Google Assistant, which is our main AI product that helps people get things done in the real world, as we say, but that that thread is consistent across them. So you can interact with it through your home products and you can also take it with you with your Pixel phone. It's also on Pixelbook. It's something that's very useful wherever you are and it's an easy way to interface with Google's leading technology. So the Google universe. That gets you into the Google universe very right, quickly. Right, so that it works easier. But you want other people to make things that use the Google universe, presumably. Absolutely, and we'll, and we'll definitely support people that want to. And that, so, like, if you wanted to get a, a, another reason why I think people like Pixel has been the photography experience, like, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Yep. It is really good. And, and it's good from, from, you know, just taking raw pictures and videos. Those are very good. You saw... Like our DxO mark scores of 98, which is at the moment certainly industry leading, and then we have uh, this great tech where we put together two things that usually aren't, which is OIS and EIS, and used some machine learning to make sure that videos are stabilized both with hardware and through software corrections. And so you saw, in, you might have seen in a launch event, we have a video of two people riding on a very bumpy road on a motorcycle, and how it looks. Uh, with stabilization, or we call it fused video stabilization, and without. And, you know, it, it's like that whole experience is really satisfying. And then when you count also the fact that you get to use Google Photos for free, uh, there's a pretty good economic value proposition for users with a, with a service that I think is is unmatched. Mm-hmm. Google Photos is a pretty strong offering for us. So the camera is definitely one of the reasons why mm-hmm. people would buy yes. a Pixel, let's say, over some other phones that are premium phones that are out there. What about voice assistants? Because that's a big thing now, too. We have the Google Assistant. Amazon has Alexa, obviously. Apple has Siri. Microsoft has Cortana. Those all kind of exist in sometimes in similar places, the same places, but sometimes in disparate on disparate platforms as well. What's the advantage there to Google's AI? And and also, I think that naturally brings up questions about privacy. Like, how do you convince people that would, that having a Google Assistant in their home isn't listening to everything they say? That's what I think. Yeah, um, I have one. In the kitchen. There's several. There's <laughs> several. Like, take care of it. That's what I think. That's why I have one <laughs> in the kitchen. In the kitchen. It's not in, in the bedroom. In the kitchen only. <laughs> yeah. Fair it's enough. In the only do what you're comfortable office. with. Yeah. But, I talk to the cat, so that's pretty much all you're getting from me. <laughs> so I would hit um, a couple key points first. So on the pri- I'll start with privacy because it's really key. 
for Google Home, it listens to you once you activate it with a keyword. That's when it listens. Other times it doesn't. And it's mm -hmm. just listening for the keyword. So that's the key thing with how the tech works. Mm -hmm. um, with, you know, so the other point is why would, why would I use Google Assistant? Like, why is it good? And first off, I think it gets, the, one of the most important things these things do is answer questions for people. And that plays right to our historical strength, frankly. We're very good at being in the answer business. Mm -hmm. um, and since we, Google Assistant's only a year old. Since we launched, we've already added more than 100 million new answers, like 100 million direct answers. And, you know, that I think speaks to our ability to oh, it's improve. Your advantage. It's presumably your advantage. It's presumably our advantage and, and also our ability to continuously improve the products. Mm -hmm. um, and in that year, you know, we, we started out with like another example, zero home automation partners. Now we have over 100 brands and 1,000 products in our home automation system as part of Google Assistant. Like our rate of improvement in this is very fast and it's a key top company priority. So you can expect it to continue that way. And you expect it to be able to be on more and more surfaces. But ultimately, if you, if you run a search query through a voice-controlled Google Assistant, that is still kind of feeding the search engine, which ultimately it's, it's the ad business. Is that, is that accurate? Uh, well, it's definitely accurate that searches will result in ads, but the assistant is not, it's not an ad-driven product. So right. if I do a voice search through an assistant, that's not the same as me querying something in the Google search box online? It's not quite the same, no. I mean, you, you, you certainly don't see ads with Google Assistant, if that's a question. Sorry, I don't, yeah. I'm not yeah. trying to evade yeah. it. No, no. But I mean, <laughs> I think your point is that Apple's always been able to say, we don't sell ads, and therefore we yeah, are like it happens we're on not, device. But those Google people do. Yes. Yeah, so so just watch Without a doubt, people. our primary business model is ads right. um, and search in combination. But Assistant doesn't use the ads-driven business model. It, it doesn't, at the moment, have a business model. We're st still working right. through how it will. But one of the things, I, getting back to, you know, because of the Apple comparison, there, there were some Apple-like moments in the event, and you said Google's approach is designing hardware from the inside out, software and hardware working together, which you just referenced, which sounds a lot like Apple. Um, and then you said uh, sometimes Google uh, sometimes doesn't get uh, things first, but does it better. Um, That's something the, Apple said a lot. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> uh, which they do a lot, actually. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a lot of wait and see happening yeah, right now. exactly. And, um, and then uh, with Eclipse Camera, AI happening locally, are you really – this is pretty much in Apple's territory now. Like you've always skirted around the um, edges with maps and different things like that. But I mean, I, I'd say – we're both companies that are looking to solve really big user problems. And so we come from almost opposite heritages, if you right. will. But really complicated user solutions are more and more trending to the direction of having to be a combination of hardware, software, and AI. Mm -hmm. you know, we're trying to build around our AI strength. And you have to have the hardware advantage, too. Yeah, we, at the moment, we, we are building hardware capabilities. It's very new for us mm -hmm. to be focused on hardware the way we are now. Right, exactly. How do you, so just to get back quickly to the question I had earlier about like this idea of the hardware business being financially significant in five years, which is what Sundar said, uh, how do you measure the success of AI? Like it's one thing to say, okay, now 30% of Google's business is hardware sales or whatever the goal might be. You, have, you haven't said that, but I'm putting words out there. Or it's easy to say like our services business generates X amount of revenue, but how do you actually measure the success of an artificial intelligence? Generally, in user satisfaction, I mean, if we're developing products that use AI to make the user experience different, 
the users have to love them. I mean, that's it's the same as any technology we'd invest in. And it is, it's how the company thinks top down. We, we constantly obsess about our users happy with the products we're building. And so you'll see us employ it quite rapidly where we think we have technology that will help the user experience. You, there are definitely great examples like with Google Translate where it has it has really improved rapidly because of advances in that domain. Um, so that that's how we intend to use it. Okay. All right. So one thing we didn't ask, the last question we didn't ask was about HTC. You acquired Motorola. You were there. It wasn't the the finest moment for Google. I came after. I'm not blaming you. I blame That was an acquisition. I blame Larry Page for all of it. Okay. Um, but why is HTC different? What is the thinking behind this? Um, well, you know, I mean, I think that it, it's, we're approaching it a very different way for sure. Mm-hmm. First off, it's a much smaller deal. Yeah, it seems um, like an aqua hire. Yeah, we're, 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 it's a deal to bring on 2,000 people. So mm-hmm. in many respects, that is the case. Um, we've worked with HTC for a long time as a company. Mm-hmm. And, you know, over the past 18 months or so, we've been working with them closely on Pixel Phone. And we got to know their capabilities quite well. And we thought they have really terrific engineering talent and we need terrific engineering talent to help grow our smartphone business. So the deal made a lot of sense for both of us. Um, and we're going to you know, move them into Google and immediately put them to work to try and help our smartphone mm-hmm. business. All right. So now we're going to, in a minute, we're going to get to uh, listener questions. We're here with Rick Osterlo. He is device guy, right? Is that your new name? Sure. Okay, device guy <laughs> Close at Google. Enough. And they just announced a whole range of things, so many things, so many devices, so many objects uh, that they're trying to really muscle into the in the space, mostly occupied by Apple until now, Apple and Samsung. And we don't have an ad today. We don't but I'd still like to say ka-ching just ka-ching. for fun. All right, go see Ka-ching. It. All right. Anyway. Um, we're <laughs> Did we talk- run out of mattress companies or something? No, we're going to – don't you worry. Don't you worry. <laughs> right. Don't you worry. We're doing just fine, financially speaking. Um, so we're here with Rick Oster, I said, uh, talking about the harbor. And now we're going to take some questions from our region listeners. We've got quite a lot. So you're going to have to answer them quickly because you're on All a right. time schedule I'll do my here. best. He's got to uh, go quick, make quick, stuff. Quick, make stuff. <laughs> um, Lauren, would you read the first question? I would love to. All the right. first question is from John Reynolds. His handle is Technogust on Twitter. How does moving into hardware change the core mission of Google? Yeah, Rick, what are you doing there? I don't think it changes the core mission, really. I mean, you know, the company's been had an unbelievably successful legacy because of that core mission. What we're trying to do is help enhance user experiences in certain directed domains. And so you'll see our strategies really fit around that idea. All right. Okay. So he says it doesn't change it, it enhances doesn't change, it. Enhances I know, that's it. like Kara. What? You know, you just get enhanced it as enhanced. you grow in your reporting career. Enhanced. You don't change. <laughs> Everything not is changing. enhancing. Yeah. The only core part just that's critical is Kara Swisher. Change, changing really, for the better. That's yeah. really what we have to say. <laughs> Kara Swisher remains Kara Swisher. All right, Kevin. They mocked Apple for moving the headphone jack last year and yeah. removed it this year. And I know you weren't here for this, so you don't have to be blamed. Kevin Bennett, grass-type mage, with the major phones ditching the headphone jack, when will Bluetooth get better? And is Google doing anything along the lines of Apple's W1 chip? Get to the headphone thing. Okay. Lots of people very, asked it's, about it's this. It's a religious yes. issue. Lots of, people. lots of, yeah. People with nothing but time. I should explain. All right, so, please do. Uh, we removed the three and a half millimeter headphone jack, to be clear. Um, but you can still use wired headphones through the USB-C standard. <laughs> Standard USB-C adapter. All right, don't try to escape. Right, right? I was just going to say, but the USB-C is the what people are asking. About. It's actually not really standard yet. Uh, it, it, well, it's most definitely a standard. But 
there's lots of reasons why we're making this move. First off, phones are headed down the direction of no bezels. Everyone knows it. It's super obvious. Eventually, that three and a half millimeter will be gone from everyone's phone. So we wanted to drive it both for our products and for the Android platform to try to standardize that interface, make it something that people are going to adopt more and more in the third-party accessory market. Um, and so it's that's a key strategic directive. At the same time, we felt like there was a big opportunity in Bluetooth. We really moved the bar up in our Bluetooth support. We have Bluetooth 5.0 support. We also support a number of um, HD codecs now. So you can have a much more qual high quality audio experience through Bluetooth. And that's with Pixel and also with, uh, you know, generally speaking with Android on Oreo. So, so, you know, there's a lot of parts to this answer, but at the end, we think this is the right long-term direction. And we wanted to make this change when we were smaller. We didn't want, if we had a huge install base, this kind of change would be much more painful to do. So we did it now. Did okay. It. All right. Okay. So no more. Oh, and any any uh, spe specific chip or homegrown chip that Google is using to sort of enable the frictionless connectivity over Bluetooth? It's comparable to Apple's W1. Uh, nothing, no. I mean, we think that can be done with software. So we did it with software. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Next question. Next question is from F. Reed, too low tech on Twitter. Uh, why, no, why no wireless charging? Too yes, where's your mat? It hasn't, we, we don't have a mat. Um, we decided to focus primarily on fast charging. And so what you have in Pixel 2 is the ability to, in 15 minutes, charge about seven hours worth of use. And then we also have fast charging in our Pixel Book. They both use USB-C. You can use the same charger across both. Kind of a nice benefit, we thought, and so we focused on that instead. Focus on okay. that, okay. Next one from Abraham Royce. Why do you get sold out of parts or phones so quickly? Do you not have buying power yet? Oh, yeah, people, so yeah. I've heard this from a lot of people. I was just talking to someone last night who said I was going to buy a Pixel last year, and I went, and it was out of stock. I went, and yes. I was out of stock, and so I got not an enough. iPhone. So, oh, what, yeah, what happened there? We, okay, there's a few. I'll, I'll give you the, so first off, it's very hard to get volumes right. Mm -hmm. um, and and I think we're, without a doubt, we're new in this business. So it's that gives it an extra uh, degree of difficulty. Um, we certainly wished we were more in stock last year. And this year, we're trying to expand our, our supply by a significant amount. Um, but it is very hard to call demand, especially for products that you hadn't, you haven't announced. Mm -hmm. So Yesterday we announced we saw pretty strong demand signal. We're working as hard as we can to try to make as many as, as we possibly can, and hopefully we'll be able to do a better job this year. But it's very difficult. Manufacturing is hard. Hardware it is hard. hard. I think is hard. I think you know you've heard uh, Tesla say that quite a bit recently, and we're certainly experiencing the yeah. same things. Yeah, that's true. Go ahead. Uh, next one. Next questions from uh, two of them from Sandra George. Why is the Google Pixel Chromebook so expensive? And will Google ever bring back the Nexus line now that they own HTC? Which is uh, a good question. Sure. Both of them are good. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's a premium laptop. Mm -hmm. So there you have <laughs> it's it. kind of in the range of other premium laptops. The finish is expensive. It's, we're trying to put high-end components in it. So it's competitively priced with things like it. Mm -hmm. So that's just the way it that's, is, says Rick. All right. Is, and then yes. the Nexus? Uh, Nexus. Oh, uh, well, we don't have any plans for... The Nexus product line, I, I wouldn't say it's uh, you know permanently ruled out, but we don't have any plans for it now. I'm going with the Pixel thing. All right, Anshul Kapoor, I am Anshul. Relive the moment when the design team came up 
with the phone squeeze gesture for assistant. Too embarrassed, inspired from stress balls. <laughs> well done on diversity on stage, leading the way compared to others. Yes. We actually dragged out all the ladies. We got a couple of colors that you had. You had a significant number of women on stage, which is great. In fact, I think I have to say, I think you had more representation of women on stage today than unfortunately we do in questions today. We got all of our questions from men. All right. Ladies, send in your questions. (laughs) Even though these are badly together. Squeeze. Squeezing sure. and squeeze and, and, and diversity. It was an HTC phone too. Yeah, so yeah. So what's give us U11? Relive the moment. Yes. Relive the squeeze. Okay. Moment, and then we'll move to. So we inclusion. were trying to figure out a way to. So like one of you know this is one of those things I think when you're trying to develop um, concepts of how to make your AI more accessible to users. Mm-hmm. It's like how do you get people into the assistant more easily? Um, and we realized like well people are always have the phones in their hands so. What if they just squeezed it and launched it right away? It's actually super useful. We saw in our, we do dog fooding as we call it, where Mm -hmm. we test our products before we ship them. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of people switch all of their usage over to this way of launching the assistant. It's really easy. You're always holding the phone like this. So it just kind of worked. Like we thought it was nice, removed a little barrier from Mm -hmm. launching uh, the Google Assistant. That's how it came about. In the, on the diversity thing, I mean, those are the people that are that literally are building the products. So they were the natural people to speak. And I was so proud of A, the work they've done, and B, how well they presented yesterday. So it was an honor to be up there yeah. with everyone. You had Yoki up there, and she's like a rock star. Yoki and robotics. Isabel. And Isabel, who's like, comes up Aparna, she's speaking different languages. Sabrina. And yeah, I know, it, yep. was, it, was, it was really great. And um, other tech companies should take note, at least on this particular presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, the squeeze thing, I have one more quick follow-up question to that. So the squeeze can be disabled, right? So it's not like yes. the Bixby button on the Samsung phone, which is like a physical button that you cannot eliminate if someone decides not to utilize the assistant or it's not working or whatever it might be. You do yeah. not have to squeeze, Rick, is that correct? You do not have to squeeze said a top google executive all right why why didn't and andre katapan why didn't google release a watch oh Wait, andre i on. love you i love you andre for hey, asking this question come on rick jesus you you're know, so slow what do, i know we we're still small we can only do oh so much oh my god don't do this google we such are. a small okay. little okay. my little neck of google is All small right. so Fine. google is small <laughs> in terms of the hardware the hardware building but talk about the wearables market very quickly yeah. where, where do you see your... it going because you guys have android wear which yeah. exists on other pieces of hardware mm-hmm. um but like the, the wearables market it's been it's been hyped up for many years now and it hasn't Where quite is the grown. Google Watch? Yes. Is there a I Google mean, Watch in the expected? offing? Are you there, working on We it? don't have anything to discuss today. Oh, that means they're um, working on one. All right, good. I can neither confirm nor deny yes, that. Yes, that means they're working I, I think, on one. Let's I think move along. Fundamentally, the market is pretty small right now. You yeah. know, it's not like, like phones are killer. People need laptops for work. We think the home is a super interesting place that's growing like crazy. Right. And... Eh, so you know, and we're small, so those David are our priorities, uh, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Look at the watch. Does, does he have a tan? Yeah. I'm I mean, mine's, mine's, right mine's, now. I've got you were six wearing Apple a Polar watches. watch recently, were you not? I, I I sometimes wear that, yes, yeah. but you know, on not days I, I don't have it, it's kind of like and examining things on people's wrists. But sometimes I yeah, do that. Sometimes I wear that. It's like you know, I use it for fitness and fitness, yeah. yeah. Fitness is a big driver. All right, let's get through these last ones. We yes. have limited time. With uh, Mark Little asks, why hasn't Nest been merged yes, with the rest why? of the hardware division? What did you do with those people? Well, they're very capable people, and the company's made a decision to keep it independent. But um, it fits in with you. Correct. And 
Ooh, my, I just lowered my seat accidentally. <laughs> I like it better. That's what Kara does right when she asks a question. I did that with my foot. It's, it's, I should have a button and seats get lowered. I don't that like was being. pretty funny. All right, so. It's like I got ejected through a trapdoor. Anyway, uh, uh, where was I? Nest. Oh, oh, so we have we actually have combined parts where there's synergy. So like in supply chain, we have a sure. combined supply chain group. And then on our sales side, we coordinate like very carefully with our account planning. Yeah, Yeah. so in stores and then also like how we sell to people. Like Nest sells some of our stuff, we sell some of theirs. Why aren't you with them? It fits me the I don't know, so far the company's made the decision they're pretty independent businesses. They have a strong independent brand and so they're separate. Can't you make a naked grab for power, Rick? Really, come no, on. I like Marwan and that team. They're doing terrific work, <laughs> oh, and they're very easy. Clearly, to work you with. can't work at Uber. Do, do you think when it comes to do you think when it comes to establishing partnerships with other companies, like other smart home product makers, that it's easier to do if you're Nest versus Google or vice versa? Like, you know, Nest has the works with Nest platform, and they've had that for a while. But I mean, if, if you guys are Google, right? So you're giant, and so is there a difference there into how you're negotiating like third party partnerships, and and so it's like better to keep the brands separate. Um, I mean, that's, that's probably part of it. You know, Nest has been around for a lot longer than the Google hardware team, but I think we'll try to find more and more common ground on that kind of like platform direction. I'm going to make a prediction. They're going to be part of your empire soon at mm. some point. That's my prediction. I'm making it right now, right here. All right. Hi. Well, you have 50% chance of being right. Cause the I'm going to be right and correct. I'm, I'm real good on these things. <laughs> All right. Okay. Hi from Steven from Twitter DM. I was hoping for a refresh of Google Wi-Fi, but noticed no announcement at the event and no one is talking about it online. Rick, do you have any insight on that? Uh, there's no new hardware product for Google Wi-Fi, but we've been doing a lot of software releases. I mean, yeah. no, like over the past year, this mesh there's thing. been they some big for ones. Mesh thing. Yeah. I mean, it is the, it is the number one mesh router in the mm-hmm. U S and Canada. Yeah. And, uh, People that buy it love it, and I, I mean, I love it. I think it's mm-hmm. great. It's like our sleeper hit from last year, I think. But nothing new coming? Nothing nothing new on the hardware side there, but th- we've re- released a ton of features, like family management features. Mm-hmm. We've released like IPv6 support, so there's a lot of new things that we'll continue to invest in in All that right. area. Okay. Next, Next question, uh, David Immel asks, is Google planning to stick with the metal and glass design scheme for the next few generations? What else? I don't know, as opposed to felt. <laughs> when is the felt phone coming? We ha- well, we do have a little fabric in yeah. our you know Google, Google Home products. You know Google Home products. Like, we've made it out of, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like compostable old, materials. I don't know what. Yeah, something like Com- old, yes. com- Sergey's yeah. old Crocs. Uh, old Crocs, yes, Sergey's old Crocs, something like that. So, C- are you sticking C- with the designs? Um, you know, I don't know what we. We look at trend, like Ivy and our design team are really terrific, and we look at where trends are going, and we might change from that someday. But you what know, would we, you we like, like to see? if you had to pick something? But couldn't be metal. There's no more metal and glass. What would you make a phone out of? Mm, very hard. I don't know. Some, something that didn't break something and that, that was break. RF permeable, which right. is hmm. a very difficult which combination metal and glass. to find. Right, <laughs> exactly. Right, right. Probably a plastic of some sort, right? A uh, plastic. We yeah. have we have an email from yeah. someone that it's I want to read, but before we get to this, one more quick question that um, I know someone asked us, and it's not in the list right now. But in terms of shipping to other countries, it's pretty limited right now where the Pixel, where you can actually get the Pixel. Um, do you plan to expand that at all to other countries? And if you if you start shipping to, I don't, does it ship in Asia? right now or yeah it does yeah. i mean can you compete with like the samsung's and lg's of the world in different markets you know i mean we're trying to stay focused like when you're managing a new thing like this that's pretty complicated 
you've got product focus and then you've got geographic focus and we're you know we clearly have chosen to be fairly focused in the markets we support right now um eventually we absolutely want to grow our geographic footprint but at the moment this is where our capabilities let us do a good job we think so we're staying limited to these countries at the moment and the four countries are remind me again uh it's it's more actually so it's u.s canada uh, uk germany um we are coming to spain we're coming to singapore we'll be in australia india uh and i'm forgetting one that maybe i'm not all I right. thought I okay. might have been okay. forgetting one, but, not but those, are the, those are the... All right, last yeah, question. Last email, we're going to do it very quickly so we can get you out Sure. Uh, this is a follow-up email from someone named Max Hoffman who's written to us before. He actually wrote to us uh, last fall when we were talking about Google stuff. I think he asked about assistance because he has a stutter. And so his question was around accessibility. He said, I'm still curious if stuttering or speech problems are considered in the development of assistants like the Google Assistant. I have to admit that in my experience, dealing with stuttering seems to be a part of the engineer's consideration. Uh, the speech recognition of stuttered words seems to grow, which he identifies as a positive thing. He said he's only using Siri right now, though, and he's hesitant with investing in a product like Amazon's Echo or the Google Home Speaker because he finds it humiliating and frustrating when something that's supposed to make his life easier is actually reminding him of his weakness. Mm. Um, so talk a little bit about what goes into designing for speech assistance, um, voice assistance when it comes to things like stuttered speech. Yeah, I mean, I think I think... You know, we try to design products for everyone. That's Google's overall ethos. Um, uh, certainly, our voice capabilities, we think, are among the most robust out there, where we try to handle things like accessibility issues as well as uh, dialect issues and other other interesting nuances of language. You know, I, I can't comment for sure on how well it might work with, with a uh, person asking the question, but I certainly hope, and I know our assistant team would be thinking that they really would want to support him. So I, I, I can't say for sure though, if how good a job we do right now, but it's one of the things that we absolutely would want to do well. So when you look at your error rate for these kinds of voice queries, are you looking at the error rate for like specifically just sort of standard question or standard speech patterns? Or is, are you know speech issues kind of factored into that? Are they factored separately? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, I think I think clearly we look at a few things, but one would be, did we answer the question correctly? Like, did did we have an answer at all? And then did we answer the question correctly? And you know, certainly it's easy to figure out if you didn't answer the question at all, like you just didn't know. Uh, it's a little harder to know if you answered it correctly, but we have some ways to try to approximate that. Um, like if you ask again. So, so we certainly try to improve our rates in both as rapidly as we can, and that's where machine learning kind of comes into play. All right. Interesting. All right. Rick, thank you so much for being with us. This oh, has been a great episode of Two Embarrassed Ask. We hope we didn't give you too hard a time here, uh, but thank you for joining us. Kara hope she gave you a I hard do. time. <laughs> I like your whole, just, we're just a small little part of a little old-fashioned store by the side of the road here trying to make a phone. little lemonade stand here at Google. <laughs> I love Google people. They crack me up. Lemonade's free. (laughs) All right.
okay. tell us something anyway. about you. If you all enjoyed this week's episode as much as we did, be sure to subscribe to the show and you can leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. But seriously, subscribe. If you do, you'll be the first to listen to new episodes every Friday or catch up on previous episodes where we answer all the tech questions that our listeners have been too embarrassed to ask. Yes, and we're everywhere. You can find podcasts. You can go to Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe on Spotify, Google Play Music, really wherever you listen to podcasts. Or you can just go to our website, go to recode.net slash podcasts and listen to every episode there. And while you're there, you should check out our other podcasts like Recode Decode, Recode Replay, and Recode Media with Peter Kafka. The Verge also has a great podcast called The Vergecast. It's our flagship and it's hosted by Neil I. Patel, so be sure to check that out. Don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time to at Recode with the hashtag Too Embarrassed or email them to Too Embarrassed at Recode.net. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to all the voice assistants around the world who've been listening to this mm-hmm. and probably triggered throughout this program. Thanks also to Cadence 13, the company that distributes this show, including Beth O'Connell and our editor Chris Basil. Thank you to our producer, Eric Johnson. We'll be back next week to answer more of the questions you've been too embarrassed to ask, so tune in then. Hi, this is Dan Fromer, Editor-in-Chief at Recode. I'm here to tell you about a new project we just launched, the Recode 100, and ask for your help. We're trying to make a list of the people in the tech and business world who made the biggest impact this year, the winners of 2017. Executives, entrepreneurs, movement starters, designers, whoever, primarily in tech media and commerce, but also some of our new focus areas like transportation, policy, and robotics. We'll unveil the full list and throw a big party for the winners later this year, but for now, we need your nominations. So if you know someone who kicked ass this year or is a rising star in their field, head to recode.net slash submit by Monday, October 16th to nominate someone and for more information. That's recode.net slash submit.